0: Good morning. And uh, let's see here. Let's let's, uh, let people, let the notifications get out there. Hey, Massachusetts. And uh, we'll let some people get on board here and then we'll get officially going uh, in terms of answering questions you all might have. Um, I'm good. Sound is good. Hey, Amsterdam. (laughs) Loud and clear. Excellent. Yeah, I got my got my little mic on here. Rather than just the camera mic, so that this will uh, really pick up well. So I hope that's uh, hope that's going well. Hey Thomas in the UK, <laughs> dice all good. Okay, good. Florida in the house. All right, good. So let's see here. Yeah, we got uh, got everything rolling. Good, about thirty five people. Wow, this is great. All right, so. Um, I am just going to uh, get going here. so this is uh, 113 being live streamed uh, here on YouTube and uh, I think I've sent out notifications on every social media uh, you know site or whatever I could. so I hope hope folks are, uh, are coming around and, and tuning into this. And uh, hey New York City, Hey Columbia. Wow, Washington. Oh my goodness, Alabama. Awesome. So this is the show where I answer your questions, uh, usually based on what you've left for me in the comments section of my Q&A videos or have sent to me by email at uh, askchrisshelton at gmail.com. But uh, this time, since we're doing this live, I'm going to answer any questions that y'all throw at me live. Now, of course, I'm sure I won't be able to answer every question that comes at me but I will, I will do my best to give uh, complete and full answers on what you do throw at me. So let's, let's go ahead and uh, get started and see what we can uh, come up with. Tell us your best dad joke. No, I'm <laughs> really bad at dad dad, dad jokes. Um, Southeast Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Ontario, Canada. Hey Hey, Alex, Barcelona. All right. Uh, have I seen Stalker by Tarkovsky? Um, when do you come to Spain to hang out? Okay, no, I have not seen um, that movie. <laughs> and um, I would love to come to Europe at some, some point to hang out. I've got a whole uh, little destination list, actually, of places to go. And Europe is second on that list after Australia. Uh, let's see here. Hey, Belgium. Yes, uh, let's get Gemma and John around. That that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Betsy. Hey, Las Vegas. Uh, yes. Oh, by the way, yeah. Just a couple announcements here. Is um, next week is HowdyCon, and so I will be doing a live. First time I'm doing a live stream of my sensibly speaking podcast. That will be next Saturday. And, um, and then, yeah, maybe I'll see about having uh, Aaron. Maybe Aaron and I can do a live Q&A on Sunday. That would be, be kind of cool. I hadn't thought about doing that. But I think that would be fun. And, of course, I'm sure when we're doing our live streaming of the Sensibly Speaking podcast, we'll probably be uh, taking questions from people as well. So maybe, maybe uh, that would be redundant if I did both of those. So anyway, that's, But the, the podcast is all set up. We're going to be doing that um, next uh, Saturday, And uh, I'll get uh, notifications out on Twitter and Facebook and, and on the bunker and stuff as to what time that will be. I will also be doing some videoing of the HowdyCon event. Um, I think other people are set up to do some periscoping and stuff of the actual Saturday night event. But I will be around all weekend of HowdyCon with this camera and my equipment and stuff, uh, maybe doing some interviews with people who want to be interviewed. I'm not going to put anybody on camera who doesn't want to be on camera because um, I you know, respect people's privacy at an event like HowdyCon. But, um, but I'm hoping to do a little video log of the event do a, maybe a little bit of live streaming as well, and then put a video together for the following Thursday. So that's that's in the works as well for this next week. Let's see what else we got coming in on the comments here. Um, hey, Henderson, Nevada, UK, Andrea, uh, Elaine from the UK. Yeah, I think HowdyCon is going to really be something. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So let's see here. Uh, do you think Osta is here with us? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I think that they uh, kind of keep an eye on, on my channel to some degree. Uh, and the reason I say that is because within almost minutes of posting any video that I post, I get a down vote, like right away. And I can't imagine why anybody would do that to like every one of my videos unless they were you know sort of trolling me and I don't know I mean it couldn't it you know it doesn't have to be osa that would do that but I would I I kind of think that you know they they keep an eye on me and and on my content and in fact um just as a point this podcast that I did this uh yesterday that I posted with Natalie Feinblatt, Dr uh, Natalie she is like Rachel Bernstein, a cult recovery counselor and psychotherapist in Los Angeles, a great woman, and I uh, did a podcast with her yesterday, and uh John Alex Wood, uh you know, responded to my tweet about that by throwing up the the Scientology hate page about me, um which he's never done before. And so I thought, hmm, there must be something in that podcast that must have set him off somehow. Maybe not, but you know, he's never done that before. So, anyway, check out that podcast. It's a, it's a good one, and Natalie definitely knows what she's talking about. All right, let's see what we got here. Uh, poor Scientology getting worldwide knowledge reports. That's right. All right, so uh, do you have any questions for me? <laughs> this is a QA show, so I'm glad you all are, are, uh, are here. And, yes, magical live stream, uh, magical sci-fi technology. Uh, no, no one really should be too freaked out, by the way, about posting here in terms of Scientology coming after them. They, they don't have the resources to go after every single person who asks me questions or posts on my YouTube channel. They're not that Orwellian in power. Uh, you know, 1984 Big Brother sort of thing. OSA is... You know, the entirety of of the Office of Special Affairs International is probably, you know, 30, 40 people, and not all of them, uh, now it's a guess, maybe it's 50 people or something, I'm not really sure how many people work at OSA specifically, but I know it's not a huge organization, and and in that organization are levels of... um, of uh, knowledge, right? Not everybody is in on everything that OSA does. There are people who have worked at OSA Int who, for years, who have no idea that they hire private investigators, do stalking and harassment and stuff, because there are people in OSA who do PR work, for example, and they have a limited knowledge, right? It's very neat to know within the Office of Special Affairs as to who gets to know what. So my point is that a very small number of people are the ones who are actually hiring private investigators, who are on the internet, who are in the know and in the loop about all the nefarious stuff that OSA gets up to. So, um, so the idea that they're going to go after people who are just commenting on YouTube is is not very not very realistic. That's not really how it how it works. Uh, okay, so, so feel free, in other words, to comment away and ask me whatever questions you want. Um, okay, let's see here. Did you ever have any Div6 duties while in Scientology? That was my personnel hell. Um, yes, I did have to go out and do some body routing and uh, book sales. I wasn't ever very good at it. I was, never, I was always the guy complaining about having to go out and do that kind of stuff. Because I didn't like talking to the raw public. And the reason I didn't wasn't because I didn't like people, but it was because um, I didn't know how to, and I was afraid of the ridicule that we would get. Because, you know, a lot of people will come by and, you know, utter these little comments or, oh, science, you know, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, you know, took out a bet and that's why he started Scientology and stuff. And I wouldn't have any real. Replies to these things, or or really have a lot to say back to that stuff, and I've always felt really nervous about it, and and I was easily, you know, I was kind of timid when it came to going out and and talking about it broadly to the you know to the to the raw public. Um, I think with all the experience I've had over the last few years doing what I'm doing now and in public speaking and stuff that I've done, I wouldn't have those same problems if I went if I went back into the church and and started doing it now, but I've, but my problem now, of course, would be that Scientology is, you know, has to tell a lot of lies uh, in order to get people to come in. And, and that was my problem when I was, when I was in that, that eventually got me out. So, um, so I did do some Div6 work, but I didn't, didn't really enjoy it much. Um, let's see. Let's zoom out. I'm going to scroll up here and see what else we've got here trying not to miss anything. Did you ever spend time at the HGB? If so, what did you think of it? Yes, uh, the Hollywood Guarantee Building in, uh, in Hollywood, which is where the middle upper middle management of Scientology is. That's where OSA International is, and that's where the flag bureaus and the, and the, the management for international Scientology is. And uh, yes, I did do some training there. Um, in fact, all the way back to the 90s when I was a Santa Barbara staff member, I went to the HGB a few times for the Key to Life and Life Orientation course um, uh, export. Right, I went and trained there. And then uh, I went back for cramming and things uh, a few times. In other words, went back there to do a few short little training uh, actions. And, um, and then when I was in the Sea org I went over there a few times for some briefings and to, you know, because I had to, my my senior person uh, who was giving me orders and directions when I was a management person in the West U.S. He worked over at the HGB and so I would go over and see him a couple times and get briefings and stuff. Uh, nice building, you know what I mean? Very uh, sanitary, very sort of, um, what's the word for it? Uh, too clean <laughs> you know I don't know the I'm not, I'm not getting the word right now but it was just sort of a, a place I was glad I didn't work because um, it it seemed like there was they were just very uptight people and uh, and very very cloistered kind of environment um, seemed like it would be hard to get out of the building if you work there to just take a walk around the block or just get out and, and do stuff maybe you know I, I know they did that sometimes but you know, over in PAC, where I worked at the big blue buildings, um, it was a lot easier to get outside and it seemed uh, it seemed more open over there. And of course, this is all within the environment of the Sea Org, which was, you know, uh working in the basement twelve hours a day. So I, you know, kind of kind of funny that I would say that PAC seemed more open than the HGB, but in the in the context of the Sea Org, it kind of did. Uh let's see. Um Stu PS uh, from Chicago. How many people in the Sea Org are able to deal with being so overworked? Coffee, adapting, personal motivation, all of the above. Uh, you just keep yourself going. There's a lot of also there's a lot of, of internal motivation that goes on at the musters. Uh, remember that in the Sea Org you muster in the morning, after lunch, after dinner, and sometimes at the end of the night, but not all the time. And a lot of the purpose of those musters, of of getting all the staff together for each organization, it wasn't a base-wide muster. It'd be each organization would have their musters. So you know, I worked at the CLO for a long time, and they'd have their, their, you know, daily musters. And that was to account for everybody and do a roll call and make sure everybody was where they were supposed to be. But then there would also often be motivational sort of talks by the executives about, you know, let's go, and these are the quotas, and we're going to make this happen, and we're clearing the planet, and we're saving the universe kind of, kind of talks, right? And it was, that went on a lot. And um, it wasn't always being dressed down at musters, although that happened too. But it was—it was more like the dressing down sort of stuff was was the sort of thing that would happen individually. You take a person aside, if they were, you know, or you take them into a room or something and give them the what for. But you wouldn't want to do that in front of everybody unless things were really dire. And of course, things were dire often enough that that happened, often enough that it was, you know, ugh, hated musters. But probably, it was probably 80-20, you know, in terms of like 80% of the time it was, you know, pump you up, we're excited, we're so happy, we're going to do things, we're going to make things happen, we're the Sea Org, we're the baddest, we're the best. And that was kind of the message of the musters, to kind of motivate everybody and keep them going. Um, and then on a personal level, you'd also talk with your fellow Sea Org members or read L. Ron Hubbard quotes. And, and Hubbard wrote a lot of motivational stuff about how great the Sea Org is and how awesome and, and amazing you know everybody in Scientology is. Hubbard said that uh, auditors, for example, are the upper 10th of the upper 20th of of human beings, you know, on planet Earth, and you know, he he put a lot of of oomph behind how important Scientology is, and how important and uh, awesome all individual Scientologists are. Right when we talk about Scientology being a, a sort of a narcissistic sort of group, this is this is how it it develops. That narcissism is it is there's a lot of individual uh, or attention on you know how great people are individually. So that's that's kind of a thing. So, um, so I hope that answers that question. So let's see here. <laughs> Gemma pretends she doesn't know what OSA is. All right, let's go down a little bit here. Um, what do you think of the bar owner in Clearwater? John Robertson here. What do you think of the bar owner in Clearwater finding a camera on his Scientologist lawn uh, pointing at his driveway? I think that is standard OSA tactics, and I am not surprised at all. He's spoken out about you know Scientology and Clearwater. That is where David Miscavige has almost all of his attention right now. Uh, based on you know, what we're seeing in the news, at least, there's a lot of attention on Clearwater. And anyone in that community who is going against what Scientology wants is definitely going to be experiencing the, uh, the you know, sharp end of Scientology's attention. So the fact that they are um, keeping an eye on him covertly, Right, like they put a camera there, a hidden camera. So they weren't planning on him finding that. Uh, they're not doing a, a particularly noisy, inv- what they call a noisy investigation of him. They're doing covert operations against him. So they want to know who he's talking to. They want to know what what SPs is he are he, you know, is he connected with? Uh, so they can, you know, figure out how to deal with him and get him to stop being uh, against their efforts there because they they hate that they hate that kind of thing all right um all right let's go down a little bit here um while you were there marcy is asking while you were there did you see any kid under 12 doing the epf um okay let me think about that actually did i ever see anyone under 12 Um, I believe that the youngest person I saw doing the EPF was 12 or 13 and I think if I remember how things were going in pack um, and this is just kind of dim recall here but if, if I remember my time in the Sea Org properly, people under 12 or, under, or around that age, under, under 11 or under 10 or something were considered cadets. And couldn't be official Sea Org members, so they were in the cadet org, and they were taken care of by the nannies, and they were schooling. You know, was done certain number of hours a day, and this this changed over time. When I first came in the Sea Org in '95, the cadet org was um, was not as well organized as it became, and the schooling was not anywhere near as well organized as it got in the 2000s. When I think there was some legal, you know, trouble, and and you know, Jenna Hill, Miscavige came out, and other people came out as to you know how horrible and awful the Sea Org was treating kids through the 80s and 90s, and so they responded by trying to enact measures to to treat the kids a little better and give them some schooling. Um, so I think 12 is the youngest I ever saw anybody on the Sea Org, from what I can what I can remember. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> um, when will you do the video on the e-meter? Ugh, okay, it's going to be part of this series of videos that I'm doing on the basics of Scientology. It'll probably be one of the later ones in that series, because because um, I've got a little bit more research to do. I'm actually still writing the script. It's well along. Just so you guys know, this e-meter thing has been sort of... Uh, the you know albatross around my neck because I talked about it you know a year and a half ago is and I didn't think it was going to take anywhere near this amount of time. Most of the script is written. There are just a couple points that I that I really want to get right, and I want to be irrefutable about them uh, in terms of the electronics of what the meter is measuring in the body. Like we know it measures changes in density in the in the in the body and the and uh, changes in resistance from the uh, moisture in the skin and that sort of thing. But I want to be really precise about a couple things. And there are certain meter responses that occur. And I've done a lot of surveying and a lot of research with former Scientologists on some of these meter responses. And I want to nail down why those responses occur on an e-meter. Because I know it's not for the reasons that Hubbard said but I'd like to figure out what they are. And that way, I, when I present this information all in one go, it's sort of like, okay, it really, I really get it, it really all makes sense, and it's sort of the end of any questions about this device and the pseudoscience of it, right? It's easy to talk about the pseudoscience in terms of you know, getting people to believe that this meter is doing one thing when it's really doing something else. That's all figured out, I got all that written. But it's just getting these fine points down that I want to nail totally. And that's why it's taking a while. So anyway, that's my excuse. <laughs> it's probably as lame as it is for why that thing is, uh, is not done yet. Okay, let's see here. Uh, let's go back up here. Goodfella is saying, please answer me. It's important. How do we find out if someone is a Scientologist if he or she is hiding that fact? You know, work undercover for OSA or something. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know. It depends on how good they are. If somebody is, uh, if somebody is, if if there's a, okay, let's see. Scientologists sometimes do Cebrosa investigations. In other words, undercover work. But more often than not, they hire private investigators for that kind of thing. And the private investigators are not Scientologists most of the time. They do that so that they'll have plausible deniability and, and layers of protection. It uh, didn't used to be that way, but I mean, it used to be that they just exclusively use Scientologists. But they they learned the hard way that that when Scientologists leave the church, they turn on them, and you know you'll get a lot more loyalty from people when you pay them exorbitant amounts of money. Um, Scientologist loyalty, you know, is only as good as the person believes in L. Ron Hubbard and believes in Scientology, and uh, as Mark Headley has said. The end result of Scientology is always a person leaving Scientology. So uh, so the Office of Special Affairs and the nefarious deeds guys tend to not be Scientologists these days. But to answer your question directly now, to get back to, okay, well, how would you know if somebody's a Scientologist without them saying they're a Scientologist? Um probably your best indicator of it is going to be the language that they use because it just kind of comes out. Um, but that, you know, it's a little bit hard to to give you a simple answer to it because um, the language is quite extensive in Scientology. So, you know, key words, let me think here, like what sort of key words would you find? And, um, you know... Uh, Integrity, they use the word integrity in, in odd ways. Um, if they use these Scientology nouns. Um, oh, I'm a little out of focus. I hope that comes back in focus here before too long. Um, I'm in focus on one screen and out of focus on YouTube. So it's, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that resolves itself. Um, some of the nouns that Scientology uses. Knowingness right as uh, they, they use they they throw the n-e-s-s on the on the end of a lot of words um and you'll get that that sort of knowingness uh mm, that's one that comes to mind right away um let's see uh also of course they'll stare at you <laughs> you know they'll give you the the tr0 stare Um, they'll make sure they make eye contact with you, you know, this kind of thing. Because that's in Scientology, that's part of the communication training. Um, I I think the language is probably the biggest giveaway as to whether you're talking to a Scientologist or not. But um, I'll have to think about that a little bit and maybe answer that in another Q&A where I have more time to sort of uh, think about what the language would be that they might use. So let's see here. Yes, having this. There we go. Uh, in Turbulation, they might let that one slip. That might be one. But uh, having this, knowing this, um, they just love any SS. You know? They'll even make ones up persisting this. you know? you got to persist. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, how do online Scientologists get away with so much interaction with critics and SPs? Um, There aren't that many online Scientologists um, who interact with critics and SPs. The ones that I've noted who come on my channel actually tend to be independent Scientologists more so than existing church members because existing church members, I mean, make no mistake, they get in a lot of trouble. For coming on to channels like mine, and even if they're trying to stir up trouble or trying to refute what I'm saying, the church takes a very dim view of uh, anyone connected to somebody like me or, um, you know, Aaron or Tony or any any of us. So, um, so so Scientologists in good standing with the church are not going to be authorized to come to my channel and start commenting. Um, unless there's somebody like John Alex Wood who is specifically authorized to be interacting online with with non, you know, with SPS, um, and that's a very small number of people. They will again hire private investigators or trollers or people who are not Scientologists to come around and troll on Scientol on ex Scientologist channels, um, <coughs> or there's one or two people at OSA International, or a couple people, like Tori has mentioned um, a guy that she used to uh, know and work with who was authorized, Steve something I think his name was, who was authorized to be trolling around on the Internet and getting into fights with, uh, you know, ex-Scientologists in order to disrupt their activities. Um, that kind of activity is, you know, is, is one guy who might have 10 Sock accounts, and so it looks like you know more people than it really is, and so that's that's kind of how that sort of work is done as I understand it. Uh, let's see here, we've got uh, 112 people watching now, that's pretty cool. Um, oh, it's a good question. Lars Rosenquist is asking if Scientology's tax exemption gets revoked. Sometime in the future in the USA, will a lot of money-motivated Christian churches in the USA also get into danger of getting declared a fraud? Um, I would say the answer to that question is yes. And I think, in fact, that's one of the key motivations for uh, why Scientology will get a lot of backup and support from other churches when it comes to the question of tax exemption. Uh, this is one of their protections uh, for not losing their tax exemption, is they will rally other churches from other, other denominations, uh, definitely Christian churches, especially in the United States, because you know, there's more Christian churches than any other types of, of denominations in, in the U.S. They'll round up all those guys and say, look, if Scientology loses its tax exemption, you guys are next. And that's not an illogical line of reasoning. Um, I personally, I don't support tax exemption for churches. Um, you know, very, very broadly, I think the test for tax exemption should be much stricter, and I think that there should be a public benefits test, like there is in the UK, which is why Scientology didn't, has never gotten tax exemption in the UK. And I think the charities commission, and it's going on in the in Australia right now, is doing the right thing and pushing for transparency, financial transparency for these organizations and uh, and I, I'm looking forward to you know more work being done on that here in the US but we got a we got a long way to go because the us I mean let's face it and this is not a hit on anybody who has religious beliefs but you know the us is a little bit religion crazy you know and uh, and structurally there is a there are way more protections for churches to inflict abuses on their members any churches Um with legal protections under the First Amendment and, and financial protections under, under uh, 501c3 t- tax exemption um, than there are in other countries. And I think other countries are kind of getting it a little more right than we are on this, on this subject. I want people to have freedom of belief and I want them to have the freedom to practice their religion. I'm not down on that. But I think that when these organizations are able to get away with the number of abuses that they are, you know, something's wrong with that system and we need to, we need to dig into that. Uh, Let's see here. Yes. Austin should be taxed. I agree. Yes. (laughs) I'm in his palatial estates. Okay. Audio off sync with the video. That, that might be, there is a delay. I am um, running this through some broadcast software in order to transmit. So it's very possible. And I'm also talking pretty fast. Because I'm trying to get as many answers in as I can in as short a period of time as i can um so it's possible that there is a delay in fact, I would expect that there would be a little bit of a delay and um and I'm anticipating that when I edit this, I will probably resync the audio and video tracks um with my editing software so that when I post this later uh it will be in sync but yeah that could be a that could be an issue uh Okay, let's see here. If B.J. Price, if Scientology can't change LRH's rules of fair game, and we all know about it, how do they think it will still work? Well, they... Okay, let's talk about the Scientology and the Sea Org mindset for a second. Um, They truly believe in the Sea Organization that what they're doing is right. And they think that... and, And this is not hard to understand, uh, if you compare it to other groups, you know, even non-extremist groups, I mean, anybody who's part of any group, Boy Scouts, um, you know, a, a company that you work for, um, you know, Boys and Girls Club, I mean, any, any group that people get part of, Republicans, <laughs> Democrats, right, uh, you, you know, immediately have a bias toward the group that you're part of or the groups that you're part of. And so you can sort of understand that that the Sea Org has an intense bias uh, towards Scientology and towards the Sea Org. They truly believe that what they are doing is the greatest good for the greatest number of people. And when you believe that, regardless of the cause that you're a part of or the, the effort or group that you're fighting for, if you truly believe that, then it is easy to justify Anything, any kind of behavior, especially against people who you think are trying to take you down or are against your group or are trying to get in your way. And Hubbard uh, made an analogy uh, in 1967 to the idea that the C organization is like the fire truck or the firemen. Who are racing to put out the big blaze, the big fire right that is engulfing planet Earth and destroying everybody here there's this there's this condition Scientologists believe exists where everyone on this planet is in a is in really bad shape and is uh, doomed to repeat this this endless cycle of life after death after life after death and they're they're trapped and that earth is a prison planet and, and that and that Scientology is the only group that has the technology and the methods and means to undo this trap so because they have that mindset they're easily able to justify anything because if, if people like me right who used to be members and are now out and criticizing the church or journalists and reporters People who are, you know, ragging on Scientology and lambasting it, making fun of it, those are the bad guys, as far as they're concerned, right? They'll, we're we're the bad guys. We're the ones who are trying to stop them from saving the world, and saving you, right? And saving me and saving themselves. So, uh, so it's kind of a, you know, the analogy has been made of of the Matrix, right? There's a small little clique of people who are, you know, bucking the system and fighting the Matrix. And so, when you're in that mindset, you know fair game is is t- totally justified. There's, a, it's in fact, it's it's necessary. You have to take these people out because they are the ones who are um, trying to stop the fire truck from getting where it needs to go to put out the fire. So they happen to be in this case with Scientology dead wrong, but they don't know that, right? They they've bought into. Uh, a whole series of agreements uh, that Hubbard laid out about how life works and how people work and how society works, and they they, they go at, at it from that point of view. So that's why fair game, they, they don't see it as a problem, right? Their only problem is when they get caught breaking the law, they go, well, damn, wogs and wog law, and we got to work our way through this society. We have to fix a broken society that is fighting us from fixing it, right? That's their, that's their thinking. So that's why, that's why they feel totally comfortable doing what they do. And we are, oh, 35, uh, 1035. We're coming, uh, coming along pretty far here. Um, <laughs> all right. Yep, there's that down vote. Um, right, let's see what we got here. Hey, Ruth! Oh, nice! We're half the CNC crew at the Hub. You asked, we're here. Awesome! Okay, well, I think it's time that I get to uh, another thing that I wanted to do this Q&A for. Um, Okay, so... Uh, Guys, I want to thank you for coming. I am not done. I just want to thank you guys for for showing up here because I have done 113 of these Q&A episodes now. And in all of this time that I've been answering all these questions, I have never asked a question back. And I have a very important question today that I'm going to throw out. Um, And I wanted to do it here with you guys because you guys are my hardcore supporters and my friends and um, some of you uh, are personal close friends of mine I think who are watching right now and um, you're kind of my my family here um, you know in in Denver and all around the world you know as everybody who signed on when you guys first showed up here so um, I'm kind of really nervous right now um, so i've uh, i'm just gonna kind of do something here in front of everybody and and uh and you guys get to get to watch um melissa <laughs> melissa's my girlfriend and um hey <laughs> hi hi um so don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> we why don't we step back here a, f- <laughs> a few steps? Um, so, you guys know Melissa um, because I've had her on a couple videos um, and we're, we're living together now in this apartment here in Denver. We moved in a couple months ago. We've been going out, um, well, over a year, Yeah. right? Um, and. It's been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We're going to be going to see your family later, you know, Father's Day and all that. Um, um, <laughs> so I totally, completely and madly in love with you <laughs> um, in the worst, best way possible. You are the most amazing and actually really wonderful thing that's in my life and you have um, brought a lot of things back to me that I had lost because of Scientology and because of my experiences with all of that and so I wanted to let kind of everybody know that you are you know the most important thing in my life and uh, and I've been thinking a lot about that and about our relationship and and how much you mean to me and i well i was uh thinking that i would like to have you around (laughs) for the rest of my life and so i was sort of wondering um you know if uh (laughs) if you would (laughs) Marry me. Of course. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. 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 (laughs) Okay. Well, good. (laughs) Mm. I love you, sweetie. I love you. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Well, that went well. Um yeah, come on over here. Okay, good. So um well, okay everybody. So uh that was my question for her. <laughs> and um wow. So yeah, we're uh we're gonna do this. Wow, we're really gonna do this. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh I love you. <laughs> I've been I've been thinking a lot about um, what I was going to say here, uh, and um, you know, I guess um, well, I just just everything I just said. You know, <laughs> this is um, this has kind of been a full circle for me. You know, when I got out of Scientology and stuff, I lost everything and I lost people who were very special to me, and and um, and now I've kind of got that back. Hmm. And so I wanted to share that with everybody, and and uh, so anyway, <laughs> thanks for coming around, guys. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up the show, and okay. and uh, <laughs> and then we're gonna have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so uh yeah, okay guys. Um Oh hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. They want to see the ring. There's there's the ring, guys. Can you it's see out that? Of focus. Yeah, it's a little out of focus. Maybe <laughs> we can get that really close in there. Uh it just keep staying focused on my face. <laughs> I'll try to get a. I'll try to get a um, <laughs> snapshot of it or something. Guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, okay. Let's um, see uh, you can't spend time with your wife. That's right. No, I will definitely be spending all my time with her. Uh, okay, guys. So I, I. Anyway, I wasn't sure how that was going to go, but. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. I hope that, uh, thank you very much for all of your congratulations, guys. Um, okay, I'm going to get going. Thanks for coming around. Um, you guys and your support really has meant everything to me. Um, really, in the, in the hugest, most amazing way possible, you have helped me to make it to this day and, um, and, and make this all happen. So uh, thank you. For for everything you guys do out there. Okay, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna end off the show now. <laughs> bye bye everybody. I'll I'll talk to you guys soon.